0: Who's ready for the word today? I'm ready to bring it. I am. Turn to Luke 14 this morning. That's where we're going to go. And I'm going to continue, as I mentioned last week, at least for uh, two weeks. So today will probably be the final one. But it, it kind of struck me, and this is what kind of sent me in this direction that uh, I was on last week. Of course, last week we talked about Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth was um, uh, the, the grandson of King Saul, and uh, he was dropped lame in the feet he was in Lodabar he was in a place of isolation a place of dryness and he was outcast and David said is there anybody in the house of Saul that I can show kindness to and the point was God wants to bring you to his table to bless you to take care of you to protect you and what kind of led me down this path is understanding the very first command in the Bible that God gave in Genesis 2 was eat freely I love that verse I prophesy that verse every time I go into a buffet, you know, I just, that's, that's my life verse right there. And then, believe it or not, one of the very last verses, in what it says in Revelation all the way at the end, it says, drink freely. So I, I began with thinking this, what if everything between Revelation and Genesis is a table that God has prepared for his people so I've been talking about the table of the Lord, and we're going to look at this this morning. But that's what kind of sent me in that direction of the table. Everybody say table. table. So God has a table for you. Say, God has, a table for me. God has a table for me. To enjoy fellowship, to enjoy presence, nourishment, protection. And probably the most important part of what happens at the table God prepares is your mind is renewed at the table of the Lord. I hope you understand this morning from my heart to yours as your pastor. If you're visiting, we welcome you. But the folks I pastor, I want you to understand how important your mind is when it comes to approaching the table of the Lord. say, what does my mind have to do with it? It has a lot to do with it. Because if you go all the way back to Genesis 1, And I know when I start talking about these things, some of you probably stop there and say, "Eh, Pastor, I've heard you talk about this before. I've heard you minister on this many times. And the reason I do that is because of the importance of what's right here between our ears and when it comes to our relationship with God. The reason I feel it's so important is some of our very basic foundation is found in the fact that when, when Satan came and tempted Eve, what he did is he planted a lie in her mind say, what? Yeah. Did God surely say? So the attack that we see in the very beginning was against God's character, was against God's, who he he really was and who he was to them. Here's the thing about a lie. When a lie gets planted in your mind, if you don't uproot it by the truth, the Bible says this, you shall know the truth and it's the truth that will make you free. When a lie gets rooted, into, and we don't know from Scripture when he said that to her. Sometimes we think she turned around and walked over and picked the apple and that. We don't know the time frame there. It could have been 24 hours. It could have been 24 days. It could have been three weeks. It could have been anything in that thing. I think the point there is is that when the enemy comes and sows his lies, if you don't take hold of it and take it captive, it's going to take root, and your life follows your thought life. Renew your mind by the word of God. The things that you're doing today were a thought in your past. Come on, somebody. The reason I'm setting this foundation for what we want to talk about today here in, in in the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, the reason I want to set that foundation today is because when I talk about coming to the table of the Lord, when I talk about all the good things that God has prepared for us at the table oftentimes we begin to set back and just, here, here's one of the first things we think, well, I don't belong there, right? Uh, God doesn't God really want me at his table because of all these other things. Scientifically proven, church, scientifically proven, you can look this up, neurologically in our brains, it only takes 66 days to form new neural pathways based on what you're thinking about. So you could have been thinking about how unworthy you are to come to God's table. And you for 20 years you could have been believing that lie. Why do I say it's a lie? Because God's invitation is for the people of God to come to the table of the Lord. And just in the same way, church, that you can have the, the enemy sowing lies into your mind, if you continue to, I've talked to a lot of people I've been counseling in my office lately, just pastoring them and counseling them. I began to tell them that our thought life are like the, the tracks of a wagon that go down a path over and over and over again, and we end up in a rut. We end up in a place where those those thoughts just continually stream through our mind. When you begin to get in the presence of God, Amen. when you come to his table and begin to feast on what he has for you, it changes everything about you. It'll change your thought life. It'll change the thoughts that you have when you're walking to the table and begin to think, man, I just don't really belong there. So everybody say table. Table. We shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Listen, what's the truth that I want to present to you today? Jesus came down. Jesus sat down. Jesus booked a table. Jesus paid for the table. And Jesus invited you and I to the table that he provided and he paid for. And then this is the thing that blows my mind. Listen to me. Yahweh, the God of the universe, not only came down, booked the table, paid for the table, provided what's on the table, but he sat down with you at the table of the Lord. That's good news this morning. Why did he do that? Because he believes that you are so valuable he, You are worth setting up a table for him. You Listen, at that table that we come to, as we talked about last week, you are loved and you are accepted and you are invited. One of the many but most powerful places we see this table is in Psalm 23. How does Psalm 23 start? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. See, we can all quote that. We can all quote Psalm 23 because, you know, we see it. Quite often, we learn it. If you're in church when you're a little kid, oftentimes that's a a, a psalm that we learn. But can I tell you something this morning? We get so routine in reading the Word, it loses its power sometimes. I I can remember being discipled by my grandfather who passed for 43 years, and after I gave my heart to the Lord, this was the first revelation I had of God right here. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You say, why is that important to present to the people today? Because there's a lot of wants presented in this house today. And can I tell you what the key number one is, is if the Lord is your shepherd, he's going to provide everything that you have need of. And the first revelation I have when I sat down with him, I had read this psalm and we sat down around a table of of discipleship and a table of fellowship for one solid year every week that me and some others would meet with my grandfather. He was in the place of health where he couldn't get out much. So much wisdom and so much experience throughout his life following the Lord and, and pastoring people. And I remember our very first meeting, and I had read Psalm 23 that morning. So when I sat down, I kind of thought I had it all figured out. And now that I've walked with the Lord 25 years, I think I had it figured out on day one. <laughs> Why do you say that, Pastor? I say that because I looked at him, and I said, "I said, am I calling Papo?" I said, "Papo." I said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want what else do I have to be worried about? <laughs> I could have lived on that one verse my entire life here's the here 's the thing this morning is everybody has a shepherd. everybody has a shepherd. everybody is being led by something or someone. But church, when you make the Lord your shepherd, it takes the want out of the equation because if you're pursuing him, there's nothing else that you really need because the word of God says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Listen, David tapped into something we need to tap into this morning He said this, he said, I know who's leading my life. Church, do you know who's leading your life this morning? He said, I know who's walking beside me. I know who's speaking to me. And, and here's the thing. He said, I don't, not only know who's leading me and who's walking with me and who's protecting me and who's taking care of me, I've got some companions that follow me around. And it's called goodness and it's called mercy. And those things shall follow me all the days of my life when you make the Lord your shepherd, church. When he's in charge, when you surrender fully to him, you've got some stuff that follows you around. I, you know, it doesn't say, I am my shepherd. <laughs> If it said, I am my shepherd, then guess what you get in return? You get a lot of wants that aren't fulfilled. And here's what you won't find as it goes on in Psalm 23. You won't find the still waters. You won't find the green pastures. You won't find the rest for your soul. You won't find those things because it's not God. Look, uh, and, and I, stay there in Luke. I'm just going to hit on Psalm 23 because this, I love this. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And when I ponder this table, when I ponder what God has set before us as believers, and it's a reminder that if I would would have written this, I don't think I would have written it this way. (laughs) Huh. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies? I would have rather written it this way. God, I want the table and I want a window seat. And I want to watch through the window while you destroy all of my enemies. So I can see them fall and I enjoy this wonderful fellowship and meal that you have provided. But it says here, and David knew what he was talking about. Because David walked through his life with a lot of enemies. He walked through his life with a lot of things and people coming against him. But can I tell you something this morning? Even in the midst of the battle, because it says he prepares a table for you. Everybody say, in the midst. Church, your theological base... Shouldn't be, because this is not theological correct as we understand the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. God did not come necessarily to rescue us out of everything. He came to be with us in the middle of everything. When you're going through the difficulty, when you're going through the attack, when you're going through the problems, when you're going through the issues, the word of God says that he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. We want to get out of the situation and God wants to give us peace and rest in the midst of the situation no matter what else is going on around us. That's what it means to have a table. Can I tell you something this morning? It's an abundant table. You're talking about the king of the universe has set this table before you and it is not a table of lack. God doesn't come to this table and say, well been kind of lean the past few weeks. (laughs) You guys will have to share this one meal between the four of you. No, we serve a God of abundance. We serve a God of more than enough. Amen. Says you have prepared a table for me. Listen, God himself has prepared the table. Have you, have you ever noticed how the hands that prepared the table matter? In other words, when I'm invited to some meals, I'm looking for an excuse not to come. I'm just being real with you this morning. But if I know certain hands have prepared that meal, look, it's, it's on like Donkey Kong, y'all. I'm ready to eat. And I've never done this here. I'll say this. In five years, coming up in a couple of weeks, I've never done this here. But at the other church that I was at, the other church, they had some bad cooks. They had some, some people that shouldn't have been preparing the table. And I used to always ask that we'd have potlucks, you know, and the lady in charge of them, and I oversaw all that. So the lady who was in charge, she would come to me and ask me questions or any event that we were having. And uh, her name was Sharon, so I'd lean over and I'd say, Sharon. Who who made that right there? I'm just being honest with you this morning. How many understand the hands that prepared the table matter? It God himself has prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. God himself has. It's him and his abundance. It's him and what he desires to do for us. Look, there's some, there's some tables that are prepared. I won't eat for three days because I'm about to throw down on what they're fixing, y'all. Come hungry. And the scripture says this in Psalm 34 verse 8. Just let me set this up before we get into Luke. says this, "...those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles." The angel of the Lord encamps round about those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed. God has set a table before us in the presence of our enemies. It doesn't say that he removes the enemies. He says it's there in their very presence that he will set a table before us and there is a divine invitation for us. And it does matter the hands that are making this table. And if I could just get a picture in your mind of a beautiful banquet table, the, 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 what is surrounding it may not be ideal and it may seem like there's a lot of people maybe shouting at you when you come to sit at this table. But God came down God sat down, God paid for a table, but God also sat down with you to enjoy fellowship at the table that he has already prepared. And church, if we could just get a picture in our mind of how, listen, this isn't hot dogs and beanie weenies. It's not. God has set an incredible table. Do you know what one of my favorite meals to go to we didn't actually order off this menu because when I saw the price at the bottom, I said, we ain't doing that. (laughs) But many years ago, Leah and I went out for our, I believe it was, I think it was a special occasion. I can't remember if it was her birthday or uh, if it was our anniversary. But we went out to a very nice restaurant, got the menus, and they had a separate menu that they kept and would hand out. And what it was called was called the chef's special. And the chef's special was just that. If you ordered it, He cooked all the dishes that he liked the best. It's one of the reasons I didn't order it. I want to know what I'm getting. The chef's special, listen to me. Some of you are like, when you say there's a table presented in the presence of my enemies and God has prepared a table before me and God has invited me to this table and I'm going to sit down and enjoy fellowship at this table, what is going to be served? Can I tell you, when it comes to God, it's a lot like the chef's special. Why do I say that? Because God is going to prepare whatever is going to sustain you in the season that you're in when the enemies are present and the enemies are before you. God is a, is, a, is a genius chef that will give you exactly what you need, exactly when you need it, so it will sustain you to keep moving on towards him. That's who God is. That's only my introduction this morning. Amen? Amen. He's prepared a table. Listen to me. This lit me up as I've been studying it the last few days. Because when you see an enemy, start looking for your table, church. When when things are coming against you, start looking for the table. Because God's word does not fail. And he leads us by side still waters. He leads us through. Everybody say "Through." through. He's not going to leave you in the valley of the shadow of death. We have a resurrecting power of God that lives within us. And God wants to fellowship with his people. Praise God. So I want to talk today about that table that is prepared. The table is important because the things of God that we taste and see and experience. Listen, the things that we experience at the table I'm talking about today are meant to be distribution points. When I began to think about the table and began to study this out, I began to think of my own life. And I thought, Lord, if I've never tasted and seen that you are good and blessed is the man who trusts in you, how can I ever have somebody else experience? I think in the church we are false advertisers to an extent because we talk about how good God is and we talk about how he can come through and we talk about how wonderful his banquet table is. But some of you haven't been to the banquet table. And if you haven't been, you certainly can't distribute out what what I'm talking about this morning. Lee and I have this habit and it's not a good habit. I was telling somebody this yesterday at the shower. Lee and I have this habit. When we have occasionally have people over, we don't cook our tried and true recipes. I have no idea why, but she usually finds the Pinterest recipe that we've never attempted to cook. You'd think when you have people over, listen, you would do the... try. I remember one was, it, it called for shallots. I know what a shallot is, but I'm going to cook them and serve them to somebody that's never been to my house. What kind of sense does that make? But church, why would we bring and invite somebody to a table that we have never experienced ourselves? Oh, I'm hitting you with some truth this morning. How can we invite people to our table if we have not ourselves tasted and seen that the Lord is good? God has set the table before you precisely with you in mind. Knowing what you need to taste in this season, it's chef's choice. Oftentimes we like to dictate what we're going to be fed, but can I tell you to surrender... To God, what your preconceived notion is? Because I guarantee you what God has and will put before you at the table of His presence is far better than anything that you could think or ask or, or desire. So what happens at the table? Again, Psalm 34 tells us what happens at the table. Number one, it says, and He answered me. When you come to the table, God is answering you. The questions we cry out, the, the ifs and the whats and the wins, God has solutions and God has answers. So when we come to his table, God's going to answer you. Secondly, he break, he, he'll break chains at the table. Amen? Amen? Listen, every chain in captivity is broken off at the table of the presence of the Lord. Every single one of them. It says this too, and I love this. It says, when you come to God's table, shame is lifted off. Man, how many of us walk in just shame? What does the Bible say? It says he's the lifter of our head. And it's in the middle of the enemies. Listen, it's, the table is usually at the center of those people that talk bad about you. It's usually at the center of those people that, that, that are out to get you, so to speak. It's, it's always at the center of this. In church, it's a table of abundance. When you're in the midst of your enemies, listen, you still may be in the midst of the fire, you still may be in the midst of the trial, you may still be in the midst of a bad doctor's report. Being at the table doesn't necessarily change all that, but it does change your perspective and it does change your eating habits. In church we are what we eat. And God Has set a table before us in the presence of our enemy. It's basically this 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 part of the psalm to me in Psalm thirty four and all the places we see tables throughout the Bible. It's just God saying to His people, "Listen, I love you." And there's an invitation extended. Listen, what usually happens is one of two things when I when I talk about the, the the table, is a we don't know that it exists. Or B, we get too busy to visit it. If we don't know it, is, it exists, my presentation, my talk this morning to you is to let you know there is a table before you. There is a table that God has for you. But, but if, say you do find the table. Say you do know it exists and say that you begin to make time for the table. And you come to fellowship with the Lord and sit down, and and it's so beautiful this picture. Think about this. I mean, just think about it for a second. So incredibly beautiful. Because the table is set, the table is presented. I wasn't planning on using this table, but let me pull it out and just imagine this just set so beautifully. There's there's a there's a chef's choice meal. It is it is just beautifully set. And you know there's a table, and you visit the table, and you make time for the table. But can I tell you what happens to me, and it happens to everybody in here? If you make it to the table that God has put before you to to fellowship and to experience his presence, here's what's going to happen at the table. Distraction. (laughs) Is anybody with me this morning? How many times have you made it to the table only to begin to be distracted? And it's, listen, it's usually by the enemies that are surrounding the table. If you want to enjoy the presence and the table of the Lord, you're going to have to learn how to tune out everything out there to commune with God right here on the inside. And church, here, here's what I've learned. The devil usually doesn't come through the front door when he wants to distract me from the table of the Lord. Jesus said he he comes not but to kill, steal, and destroy. Right? Uh-huh. And we think when we're at the table, he's going to come in the front door and be like, I'm out to get you. No, no. He doesn't. Listen to me. Here's what he does. Here's what he's done to me. I'll just talk about my own experience. Here's what he's done to me. He comes in the side door. Listen to me for just a second. He comes in the side door, and you barely notice that he's in the room. And Jesus is there. And he has set a table of of everything that will sustain you for that day. Give us this day our daily bread. And he wants to fellowship. He wants to sustain. And we make it so weird. It doesn't have to be weird. Jesus is real. We have made Christianity about a lot of stuff. (laughs) A lot. Can I tell you what it boils down to? Jesus is real and he's a person. And he comes by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to talk to you. So he pours you a big glass of water. He's the living water, right? He might pour himself a glass. I'm the living water, but I'm going to have some with you. You know what Jesus does for me? He just begins to ask, how you doing? How's things going? Do you know I love you? <laughs> you know how much I care about what's going on in your life? And, it, and it's in the presence of your enemies. So if you're not aware that you have an enemy, he doesn't come in the front door and I'm going to gouge your eyes out. He'd love to do that, but you're with Jesus. But it doesn't keep from in your mind. Here's what he does. He'll come in the side door and he'll come right up beside you. And I'm telling you, it's not the major attack. It's not the I'm going to kill you and everybody you love thing. He just gets right down. Remember, The table is set, Jesus is there, he's paid for it, he's invited, he wants you there. And you begin to fellowship and commune. And that fellowship and communion, that that nourishment of man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This isn't talking about the natural, I'm talking about something supernatural. The enemy comes in right beside us and I don't know about you, this happened to me yesterday while I was in the midst of preparing for this sermon. And it wasn't, you know, I'd almost ran off the road in the rain and wrecked my. It wasn't anything like that. He just came beside me and he said, Do you know what those people have been saying about you? And I'm trying to commune with God. What? No, what did they say? Or for some of you, he comes along beside you. And listen, you know there's a table, you've sat down at the table. His now, his next attack is to distract you and get you off over here. For some of you, he comes alongside and he says, man, your boss is a piece of work. You see what, you see what he did to that other employee? And I'm telling you, when you get distracted from the table of the Lord, you begin to talk about it. And you're no longer looking at Jesus at the table, you're looking down at your situation. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's not the big attack, it's distracting you from what Jesus said would be your communion with him. Yes. And he begins to just, just you know, that church down there, they they don't really like you. Nobody shook your hand Sunday. You see? And listen to me. When you begin to entertain that, you have now given him listen a seat at your table. And He's eating your lunch. When I say this happened to me just yesterday, I just felt myself just... Because <laughs> I, was, I was believing the lies that was being fed to me in that moment. And as sure as I'm sitting here, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Jason, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. Amen. Don't let him sit down because he will eat your lunch. And it ain't his. It's yours and Jesus's. But we're the only ones that have the ability to invite him and distract us and to make us angry and to be upset at a situation. It's in the presence of our enemies when God sets a table. And it's for you and him. I know I've said this before. It's been several years ago because I believe it so wholeheartedly. When you look at Scripture, I quit reading Scripture to try to prove everything that I already believed. Are you listening to me? And I began reading Scripture to find out what God said about something, rather than confirming what I already brought into it. Probably one of the this won't make sense to many of you. Probably one of the greatest gifts that I was given was the fact that I was a little bit older. I was was 23 when I got saved. Listen, I started with a blank sheet. Listen, I, I just, the Holy Ghost, he's real? Yes, he's real. You can be filled with it. You can? Yes. Fill me. Fill me. Fill me. Fill me. I can worship and dance and jump around. I did that out in the world, but now I just changed partners and I'm doing it inside the church. I I can be filled with joy. I can be filled with peace. I can have bondages broken off my life. And what I found, it wasn't found in my pastor or his sermons, and it wasn't found even necessarily coming into a congregation and worshiping. Those all things were great and wonderful, and they supplemented. But I found a table. I found a place of fellowship that was me and him, and I would not trade that for anything else in the world. But I look back over my life and wonder how many times did I give the enemy a place at my table? Way too many times. Church, he doesn't belong there. And it's not the big attack. It's just coming along. And Here's one thing he'll use. I guarantee you, if you wake up tomorrow morning and you say, Pastor talked about a table. I'm going to go find it. I know there's a table. I know I'm invited. So I'm going to go join in. I can guarantee you one of the first things that you'll begin to think when you sit down at that table is, I don't belong here. That is not the truth of God's Word. If you're blood-bought and you are saved and you have Jesus Christ living in your life and you've been forgiven of your sins, past, present, and future, you belong there just as much as anybody else belongs there. We talked about that last week in, in relation to Mephibosheth. He had nothing to offer, yet he's sitting there as a son of the, of the king. Which spiritually speaking translates into the invitation is open and some of you are, are spiritually malnourished and withered away because you are not meeting God at the table. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm finally getting to Luke fourteen, y'all. <laughs> Look at Luke fourteen, verse fifteen. This is found in several of the gospels. I had to pick whether to read the one in Mark or read the one in Luke, and I chose Luke. It brings out a couple more details. Um of the scripture here that I want to break down and give you four things of the table today. Luke 14, verse 15. When one of those at the table, Jesus is at a table, you see Jesus at tables consistently, especially leading up towards his crucifixion. He spent a lot of time around tables. Interesting. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Let me stop there and just say quickly, what I'm talking about today is not natural bread, and it's not natural nourishment. It is supernatural. It is communion with God, communion through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit that resides in our lives. Verse 16, Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent a servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Verse 19. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. I guess he liked his wife's cooking better than what was being offered, I suppose. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, What you ordered has been done, but there is still room. God is so gracious and magnanimous. God wants his table full. We think people are excluded from the table. The heart of our God and Father is that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. He's a good God this morning. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. God loves a full table and God loves a full house. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. Now context is is king, as I say. Context is important. Context is the most important element of studying scripture and being able to apply it to our lives. And church here, the context of this is talking in a grander scheme and a grander way about the gospel being presented to the Gentiles eventually. But here I want to focus on the context. The banquet is a picture of the kingdom of God a picture of being invited into his presence, a picture of the lengths God desires to go for a relationship, a picture and, and, and a picture of the invitation to the kingdom in the banquet. And they responded, listen, they responded, yes, I am coming. What culturally would have been happening here in the context of the scripture is this. When you were going to put on a big banquet, you went and sent out your invitations... And people had RSVP'd, right? They had RSVP'd and they said, guys, is there anything worse than having something and half the people that RSVP'd don't show up and you're stuck with a bunch of that? Yeah. right? Don't be that person. But here in the context of the scripture, here, here's what's so important to remember. The people that the servant had gone out to tell them everything is ready had already said yes. They had already said that they would attend. They had already given their their RSVP, so to speak. They had already given their 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 okay that I am going to come to this banquet. And they responded, Yes, I'm coming. And when the food was ready and everything's prepared, a servant of the king would go out and let them know it's ready. And I just have a question for us. How many of us have responded so enthusi- enthusi- enthusiastically to God? God, yes, I'm in. God, yes, I'm, I want to come to your table. God, yes, I want to be part of fellowship with you. God, yes, I'm excited about what you're doing in the earth. And God, I want to join in with what you are doing. But let me break this down and give us a few little encouragements and warnings from the scripture based on what we see Jesus giving the parable of the wedding feast number one this morning if you're taking notes we have to get rid of excuses if we're going to come to God's table you're going to have that's what is happening in this context they had said yes they had said we are all on board we are going to come to the table that is prepared in the presence of our enemies. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And when it came down to the nitty-gritty, they began to make excuses. Everybody say excuses. All the, here's what I noticed. First off, these excuses are lame. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're really lame. Let's be honest. Uh, the first guy, he's like, I've bought a field. And I haven't gone and looked at it yet. So please excuse me. Really? You bought a field without ever going and checking it out? Who would buy a piece of property without ever walking through it? You would? Did you raise your hand or didn't? No, you said, oh, you're, you're brushing your hair there. Okay. I'm just making sure. Here's, here's, what, here's what struck me as I read through these excuses. And it doesn't say this, but this is the impression that I get. Who knows that this person who obviously was wealthy enough to throw a banquet and invite this many people? Think about this for a second. He could have been the very reason that the man had the field. He could have been the very reason that the man had the oxen. He could have been the very reason that this man met the wife that he married. But it wouldn't when it came time just to come and fellowship, we're just too busy. And listen, if you take this and break it down, hey, I've just went and bought a field. This speaks of our possessions. If we get too caught up, here's the amazing thing, and we all know this, especially as American Christians. We all know this, and this can happen to us very easily. It's like for me, it's like, God, the the house that you blessed me with Takes all my time taking care of it. Yes. Do you see that? Yes. We sometimes begin to make excuses about why we aren't coming to the table of fellowship with the Lord or even the table of fellowship together as a community of believers. Because for some of you, your boat only works on the weekends. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Pastor getting deep up in this place today. Funny thing is, those on a boat right now don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) If we take our possessions and put them above God and his invitation, it's not good. I have bought a field, and I need to go take care of it, your possessions. I have bought oxen, and I need to go out and work them. Church, God has blessed you with your ability to work and make money and your ability to be able to bring in income. But can I tell you something, especially you young families that are in here today, let your pastor talk to you if you're a part of this church. Let me just minister to you for just a second. I thought for so long, especially early being married or even go back earlier in my 20s after I got saved, and I thought, man, I, I I need to work more. I need to make more money. I need to pick up an extra shift. I need to get more hours. I need to get a raise. I need to... And I rem- and I realized what was happening at one time in my life. I had said yes to the king. I had made a commitment to being in his house. I had made a commitment to minister people. And I'm not talking about I was preaching behind a pulpit. I worked at the back door helping single moms carry strollers and diaper bags and stuff in. But I remember I had a choice to make at one time because my job was beginning to slowly take me away from my commitment and the yes that I had made. And I'll never forget where I was and where I was standing when I was looking at the person who was my employer and, hey, you can make X amount of time and a half and you can do this. And, if you, and he said, he said, if you'll work Sundays. And before I could even get, I was, my, I was like, yes. I've got oxen. I need to take care of them. I, I, I got some stuff to take care of. I'll never forget the Holy Spirit said, do you trust me? The reason this is important for young people is to understand when you put God first and make him the most important element of your life, everything else will be blessed and fall into place because when I turned that down, it wasn't just a few weeks later, I had gotten to double the raise that I would have had through a time and a half. That's called God's economy. That's called, hey, I've got an excuse here. I've got a lot of work to do. I got a lot. And listen, I'm not laying a guilt trip on you this morning. We, we, we all have things. And my son just started working. He working a lot of hours, and I'm encouraging that. He's even worked a few Sundays. I said, Hudson, get established in there and, and let them know you're a hard worker. You'll be on time, and you'll work hard. I said, God will bless you. But at some point, you just let them know that the house of God is more important than anything else. Is this too old-fashioned for you this morning? It shouldn't be because it's right there. And then, listen, listen, the first thing to come to the table is you've got to quit making excuses of why you're not at the table. I'm not just talking about in the relationship of church. I'm talking about in your relationship in general. In, in, your, in your time where God, God will even invite you early in the morning, David said, early will I seek you. And we get distracted or we make excuses. I've done it a million times. God, you don't know how busy I am. God knows how busy you are. But have, you know what I found? That when I'm trying to do it under my own power, under my own nourishment, I burn out really quick. Yes. But when I start at the table with Chef's Choice, you say, what is God going to serve me at the table? Whatever you need in the season you're in. Yes. Whatever it is. And the third guy is like, this is so lame, y'all. I've just married a wife. And listen, culturally, they, didn't, they, they were exempt from military service for one year. And they were exempt from traveling a long distance. This says nothing about that. Can I hit you with some truth this morning? You okay? Yes. You all right? Any time, what is it saying? I can't because of my family connections. I'm going to hit you with truth right now because it is the truth of the gospel. When you begin to elevate your wife or your husband or your kids above God, you've made, you're making an idol. Yes. Did you hear me? Yes. And you may sit there and think, man, I'm, just, I'm supposed to cherish my wife. I'm supposed to ch-. Of course you are. Mm-hmm. God blessed you with that. But I've watched people allow their blessings to be elevated above their relationship with God. And whenever we do that, church, we are in danger. So number one this morning is this. We have to quit making excuses. Everybody say excuses. Excuses. Number two is this. Oh, let me hit you with this because this is so, so important. Excuses. The table's prepared. God is saying, come and taste of the things that I've planned and the things that I have prepared. And again, they had said yes. And we say a hearty, yes, God, I want to do your will. I want to do what you want me to do. Here's what we need to understand. When you say your yes to God, God is incredibly thoroughly preparatory by nature. It's who he is. So you said your yes, and you were excited. God, I want to be a part of what you're doing in the earth. And time goes by, just like in this story. Time time begins to pass by, and time kind of has a way of pulling us away from what's most important. But when it comes to your relationship with God, even your purpose is secondary to pursuing his presence. We say, oh, I I have purpose. Can I tell you? If I put pastoring above my relationship with God, I wouldn't pastor for very long. Because you can't do it without coming to the table all the time. I visit the table five or six times a day just to get nourishment from the Lord. Amen? Amen. Number two is this, if you're taking notes. You have to put the table first. So you have to not make excuses, and you have to put the table first. In other words, prioritize the table. We all get busy. We all get distracted. Like the one guy. I got married, right? You know. Number three is this, and I'm going to move quickly through these, and we're going to have a time of an altar call. Begin to prepare your hearts to give God another yes this morning. Number three is this you have to be really hungry. Everybody say hungry. hungry. That may seem simple, but can, can I just share with you at times in my life? You, you know, this is, this is simple. I, I have a recliner at my house, and I like my recliner, I enjoy the recliner. And there are times I don't want to get up out of my recliner. Can like I tell you what gets me up out of my recliner sometimes? I'm hungry. Yes. Do you know how powerful spiritual hunger is in your life? And do you know what, how much under attack spiritual hunger is for the people of God? Because church, if I can get you hungry, I'm not, get, I'm not trying to change your behavior this morning. I'm trying to change your appetite. Because if I can change your appetite, you'll begin to feast on the goodness and the mercy and the the awesomeness of God and the holiness of God and the, the food of God. And you will never go running back to anything else. Because when you taste and see that the Lord is good, blessed is the man who trusts in him. When you begin to see from scripture that the invitation has gone out and when you start to think I'm not worthy, what did the master say? He said, if those people who make excuses won't come, I'll find some people that don't have oxen and they don't have fields and they don't have families and I'll compel them to come in. Church, it is time for us to be sold out to him and to be hungry for him and to allow the hunger to stir us up to make our way to the table. Here's the definition of spiritual hunger. It's when God reveals to us how much you need Him. That's spiritual hunger. It's when God just reveals, hey, bud, apart from me, you can do nothing. When God reveals to you how much you need Him, this is the grace of God producing a cry within you saying simply, I need God. That is one of the most powerful prayers that you can pray. God, I need you. Is God gracious enough to take away the ox in the field and the family so that we will focus on him once again? If two years of a pandemic didn't get the church focused, I don't know what will. If two years of a pandemic and having the rugs stripped out from underneath of us doesn't make us fall on our face and say, God, if nothing else, make me hungry for your table. Make me hungry for more of your presence. What will? Listen, hunger disrupts you. It begins to deliver you from civilized Christianity. I'm afraid in here we get too civilized. We do. Well, let me just raise one hand, bless God. Then can I tell you in all seriousness, you come in here, I want you to worship how God created you to worship. Amen. That thing that you need to be like the person on the other end of the pew, I don't buy that. The way I describe it to people is there's a lot of appliances in the kitchen. And when you plug them in, they all do something a little bit different. Some of you all get plugged in and you spin. Cool. Some of you get plugged in and you get hot. Cool. Some of you get plugged in and blow hot air. That's me. (laughs) You know I couldn't resist that. Let me get back to my notes. I'm getting off track here. You need to just get hungry because... Some of you are defeated because you're just not hungry for it anymore. Can I give you my Rocky illustration this morning? Anybody like Rocky movies? (laughs) Y'all, I think our citizenship test should be what is the plot of Rocky 4 and 5? And if you can answer, you're in. You're an American. That's just my, my belief. But one of the Rocky movies, there was such a powerful moment that just... I, I was watching this a long time ago, a couple of years ago. Anytime Rocky's on the TV, you'll find me watching it. Some of them I've watched probably 12 or 13 times. I know that's messed up, but it's, I'm just being honest with you this morning. But I remember this one scene in the movie where he's fighting. He's, he's, being, he's being enticed to fight by a guy named Clubber Lang. Clubber Lang was Mr. T, right? And Mr. T is known to just be a bruiser. He's, he's, he's beating people up, and he wants to fight Rocky, and he keeps trying to goad Rocky into a fight, goading Rocky into a fight. Rocky, you won't fight me. Rocky, you're scared. Rocky, you won't come. And Mick, the manager of Rocky, won't let him fight Clubber Lang. And there's a scene in the movie that is so powerful. Get my theology from Rocky movies. Forgive me, you I'm just... <laughs> I don't live a very exciting life, as you can see. I'm sorry, my illustrations are my recliner and Rocky. Okay, great, Pastor. Need to get out more. There's a scene, and it's so powerful because Sylvester Stallone as Rocky Balboa is just, he's getting upset, and he looks at Mick, and he says, Mick, why won't you let me fight him? And Mick looks at him, and he said, because you've lost your hunger. You'll get destroyed. Church, when we lose our hunger for the table of the Lord, we lose our ability to fight against the enemy and what he's trying to do because the table is prepared in the presence of your enemies. So if you're going to come to the table, you need to come hungry. you're going to come to the table, you need to come expectant. You're going to come to the table. You need to come understanding that he just wants to eat. He just wants to fellowship. He just wants to fill your mind. When you read that word, he wants to illuminate and give you revelation of that word that does what? That takes such root down deep in your heart, soul, in your mind, and it begins to uproot the lies of the enemy. Because some of you become anemic, and some of you become unable to fight because you're not hungry anymore and you're listen, we will find stuff to eat, oh, yeah. but it's not stuff that's gonna spiritually recharge you. Amen? Amen? If I could have Tammy and Alexis come up now, and give you my my last point, leads me to my last point. It, it, when I begin to lose my hunger, here's what happens to me. I get lukewarm. It's like the frog in the kettle, right? You throw him in hot, he's going to jump out. But if you put him in cold and you begin to just turn it up a little bit at a time, that, that bad boy's cooked. He's cooked. So we need to keep our hunger. Stand with me this morning. Number, My last point is this. And it's short. But I, I want to offer a response this morning. Let's go back into worship mode if you're in the back there, Conrad, Please everybody just settle in quiet. This is the moment where I do want the kids to just hold their peace for a few minutes so we can really focus in on God and be able to allow his spirit to begin to move in this place. Because as I always do, I prayed about how to bring this to a close. And they had already said yes, and I believe it was sincere. Sincere. Work, possessions, relationships aren't bad in and of themselves, but they can keep you from your first love. They can come between you and the invitation that has been extended by the Lord. And my last point is simply this. You need to return to your first yes. That's what the Holy Spirit told me as I studied this and finished it yesterday evening. is just tell the people... And present it to them in such a way that there is an invitation this morning, right there in the midst of what you're going through, right there in the midst of of your enemy, right there in the midst of the distractions and the things the enemy tries to come and speak into our ear and pull us away. There is a yes that you many have already given, but the Holy Spirit has sent a call out this morning that some of you have just made fresh excuses of why you haven't been coming to the table. And God in his mercy and love and graciousness, here's what he wants. He just wants to fellowship with you because it's us that get the benefit of the fellowship. But can I tell you this? He loves it too. It's why you were created. You were created to have fellowship with your God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. So the table we're talking about is supernatural, but we have to say yes, and church, listen to me, we have to keep on saying yes. If your idea of salvation is just coming to a church, praying a prayer, and walking out the door, so you got your get out of hell free card, that is not going to save your soul, because it's not what Christianity is built upon. Listen, I wake up every single day, some people, when did you get saved? I said this morning when I woke up. I tell other people that are more religious than ask me that. When did you get saved? I said 2,000 years ago on the cross. Because both are true. (laughs) When he said it is finished and you've received him, it is finished. But some of us take one step into the kingdom beyond the cross. And there is so much more. Man, there's a whole life of joy and peace and shame broken off of you. And chains broken off of you. And the good things of the kingdom. So here's my invitation this morning. Who wants to say a fresh yes to the table of the Lord? Would you come up here and just just come up and fill this altar right here up front. And we're going to pray together here in just a moment. And they're going to lead us in worship. And we're just, we're just saying a fresh yes to what God wants, a fresh yes to the table. Whew. Some of you have believed the lie of the enemy. Huh. Father, I pray today that you uproot that lie that has taken hold in the minds and the lives of the people. There's somebody even sitting here, maybe you're online listening, and you have been so tormented by the lies of the enemy in relation to everything going on in your life. Can I identify that voice for you? Because there's only two voices. There's Yahweh, and there's the enemy. There's only two. How do you discern between the two? The enemy is not inviting you to a table this morning. He doesn't want you at the table. You see it in the story we just read. He wants you to get focused on the excuses. Can we this morning just lay the excuses down? Just say that with me. Lord, I lay the excuses down. I give you today a fresh yes. Yes to the table. Yes to your presence. Yes to, yes to fellowship. Let the joy of the Lord, Let the joy of the Lord be, my be my strength. God today, God today increase my hunger, increase my hunger. For, you and your for you and your kingdom. God, I give you a fresh yes. I will meet with you at your table. At your table. In, Jesus name. In Jesus name. Amen. Let's seal seal this this morning. It's important that you responded to that because just by responding and stepping out and making a step forward, you put some feet to your yes. Let me encourage you to continually put a feet to your yes in the days ahead because in Psalm 34, and as you go back to your seat, jot that down or even find it and just mark it in your Bible, it takes 66 days to completely revolutionize what is right here and that's your biggest problem this morning. God loves you, he's for you, he's received you. If you've received him as your savior and Lord and surrendered your life to him and made him Lord of your life, he loves you. You're accepted in the beloved. What manner of love is this if we have been called the children of God? So Psalm 34, as I've already read the last half, The first three verses are are the pathway, I believe, into his presence. Listen to this. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. You want to know what the pathway into the table in the presence of God? It is lifting up your voice and beginning to praise. It's lifting up your voice and beginning to worship. Your praise is powerful, church. Your praise has power in it to defeat the enemies that are around the table, to defeat the lies that are around. So why don't we practice that this morning for just a couple of minutes as they lead us in worship and let's just begin to receive the table that we've said yes to this morning. Worship with us, church, just for, just for a few minutes. What a beautiful presence that's in this church right now. Just lift your hands as your pastor blesses you today. I want to remember, I want you to remember Psalm 34 and remember that invitation that has been extended to us. It's so powerful, church, so powerful. Father, I bless Christian Center Church this morning. Father, my heart of love that flows towards this church is immense and it's tremendous, God. I love them, but you love them far more than I do. So I bow my heart and my head to the shepherd, the great shepherd of this church and all the church globally. And I ask your hand to be upon each family and each person. Father, that you would bring blessing right to them. Father, bless them today in the name of Jesus. May they be blessed going in and blessed going out. May they be blessed at work and blessed in their homes. Father, I pray that your face would turn towards them, that you would shine your face upon them and you would give them peace. You would give them rest. Lord, I declare today that surely goodness and mercy shall follow them all the days of their life. And they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, bless them in the name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. Nobody's told you they love you today. Your pastor loves you. And God loves you more than that. So go in the name of the Lord and be blessed. We'll see you, Lord willing, Wednesday. Prayer meeting tomorrow night if you'd like to come and just experience the table in a different way. Tomorrow night at 630, Wednesday night, share. If you need t-shirts, they're right there in the back, y'all. God bless.